This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 170. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On episode 170 we are dropping the second and final part of a Russian roulette franchise retrospective looking at the Evil Dead franchise. That's right. Um, last week we dropped, in fact last week on this day, this very Wednesday, we dropped a first part. I had two phenomenal reviews with two phenomenal guests joining me on that episode was The Witch for Evil Dead and Ryan Lewis for Evil Dead 2. And of course I promised you that we would be dropping the second and final part today. So here it's here. I'll be joined with another two fucking phenomenal guests. Joining me to discuss Army of Darkness will be Andy Blockley. And then also joining me for um, the remake, the Evil Dead remake, that remake that actually kind of love um, is the phenomenal Scott from Scott and Liam versus Evil so they will be coming up after the first break but before we get to that let's uh, let's send off like we've got up here this is your second of four planned episodes this week ladies and gents on Monday we dropped a little uh, February episode a little uh, Fabio Frizzy February um it was, it was, it was good. I had a ton of. I enjoy doing those ones where you kind of focus down on something that you think is maybe sometimes maligned or overlooked, um, and putting it out in an episode for everyone to take part in the celebration. So hopefully you enjoyed that episode. This is of course our Wednesday episode. Tomorrow we drop our uh, bye bye February 2019 episode where we talk about what this show's done this month, uh, movies that have come out in the horror genre, announcements and news and uh, some of the bespoke labels out there, what they have announced and what they've put out in the month of February. So that will be dropping on Thursday. Then um, I will be going to Fright Fest, be taking on a lot of Fright Fest action, and we'll be coming back to you on Sunday for the next instalment of our Slasher Classics series, looking at disc number four. So yeah, that will close out our week and then we roll right into Monday where we will do a recap of Glasgow Fright Fest, talking about what was great, what was maybe not great, hopefully very little in that camp, and the titles that I am recommending that you seek out when they become available for you. So I'll be dropping on Monday. So yeah, loads of shit upcoming folks, so get yourself ready ton of podcast under the stairs content can i thank everyone who has made this february a phenomenal month i think we're currently sitting about was it 70 percent increase in downloads uh, in real time 
compared to February 2018, which is just fucking nuts. Every time I think you guys have raised the bar, you raise it higher, and it just blows my mind. So thank you very much for that. But it's time to take a short break, ladies and gents. You're gonna hear promos for shows that I love. You're also going to hear the trailer for a little movie called Army of Darkness. I'm going to be joined by Andy Blockley. You've been waiting for it. He hates it. Let's find out why Andy Blockley hates Army of Darkness. Or does he? It's the worst kept secret in horror podcast history. Uh, We'll find out when I return right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com. The Psychosemantic Podcast. In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. And a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. This one was souls. And about to die! What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped. In the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Platu, Berata, Nictu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Platu, Berata, Nictu. When the army spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. Now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Oh, that's gonna hurt! Director of Darkman. Comes Army of Darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of Darkness. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So here we go. This is the first review of this second instalment 
of the Russian Roulette franchise retrospective looking at the Evil Dead. Now, <laughs> we set this up in the previous episode that I was kind of giddy when I was pulling names at the hat here because there was only four names and four movie choices. And so the laws of averages were, were a bit diminished in terms of what you might end up with. Um, it's interesting because I can't remember if I nominated, in fact, we'll find out. The guest joining me for, for Army of Darkness uh, is a very good friend of mine. He's a, a close colleague on the Soon to Return Doing the Nasty podcast, but also has his own segment on podcasts under the stairs called Andy Loves Art House. It's a phenomenal Andy Blockley. How are you doing, sir? I'm all right, yeah, yeah, ready for this. I'm all set. I'm trying to keep bottled the vitriol that I had last night. Basically, I I didn't realise that we were recording today. I thought it was next Sunday. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I just saw the message. Somebody said, I think it might have been Ryan Lewis, just went, oh, see you tomorrow morning. And I thought, what do you mean, tomorrow morning? I was like, shit. So like, I, was on, I was sat on the bus. I went out for like my mate's 50th. And I don't I haven't for a long, long time. And I had a drink like last night. I literally just had one drink and I actually felt a bit pissed just mm-hmm. off of one pint of cider. So I thought, right, that might actually make me enjoy the Evil Dead even more. Well, not even more. It might make me enjoy it. I, you know, if I've had it, I'm feeling a little bit merry. I'm in a good mood. I've just seen loads of my mates and not seen Freddy's. Let's see what happens. Um, so so I, I, I won't ruin it. Let's... Well, there's an expectation, Andy. Do you want an... me just to get straight? <laughs> there's an expectation here. We've kind of set this up um, with our listeners now that to expect to expect blood on this review. But the the thing that was that was kind of pivoting towards talking about the choices at the name of the hat is we've spoke about me and you have spoken about Evil Dead before. Not only have we spoken about Evil Dead before, if memory serves, you were one of the mentors on the Baz V. Evil Dead franchise. You did the remake, didn't you? Yeah, I did the remake. Love the remake. <laughs> really like that film. Yeah, yeah. I just I just remember you and Baz agreeing on a lot in that series. So that's what made me kind of giddy about this one because I was like that. I know, I know for a fact that Andy doesn't like part two. I know for a fact that Andy does not like part three. Um, I know he only likes part one and you know the remake, which means. Or do that- I like part three? Well, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the worst kept secret in horror. Heart. Uh, like honestly, Andy, this is just not going to work. Uh, but yeah, I knew for a fact when your name got put. When and I can't. Did you volunteer or did I volunteer you for this? You asked me ages ago. Did I want to do Evil Dead? I kind of went, eh, not really, because I'll end up doing number three, won't I? <laughs> and then I never heard from you. Like I just didn't hear from you. And all of a sudden. You just messaged me again, you've got part three, and I was like, oh, I thought you found someone else. I hoped you had. Yeah, so you had like a one in, what's that, like a one in two chance of of getting, a 50% chance of getting a movie you like. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it turns out you got one that you didn't like. You drew the, pro- uh, I drew you out against the one you were probably least looking forward to reviewing. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I'm glad I didn't get the remake again, because I've done that. I've, yeah. I've reviewed that with Baz. Um, yeah. The original we've already reviewed on doing the nasty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I mean, Ryan Lewis was... earmarked too, as part of his selection. He, he was the golden ticket winner from the Puppet Master franchise, and then okay. he became ill. So he had his choice of any of those movies he could jump on and do a review with another guest. He came down ill in December, and um, as a result of that, because he missed out, and I felt a bit guilty, I was like, listen, you can pick 
the next franchise and he's like well well I'll do one better if I pick the next franchise I'll also get picked my movie and I was like cool I can live with that so he picked yeah. Evil Dead and then picked Evil Dead 2 so that one was kind of off the table so to speak um, so really actually you had a one in you had a, a you, you had the odds were smiling favourably on you that you would have got the first one or the remake um, mm. so yeah, what happened yeah it didn't it didn't work out that way you got you got Army of Darkness. Uh, so let's spring out some some info on the movie first, and then we'll get into this because I really need to to, to kind of probe you <laughs> on mm. on your your feelings on this movie. So it's written and directed by Sam Raimi, co-written uh, written by Ivan Raimi. Movie stars as you would expect Bruce Campbell, but we've got Embeth Davitz. Uh, Marcus Gilbert, Ian Abercrombie, Richard Grove, Timothy Patrick Quill, Michael L. Reed, Bridget Fonda, um, Patricia Tolman, Ted Raimi, Deke Anderson. There are some other folk in here. The synopsis for this one is, a man is accidentally transported to 1300 AD where he must battle an army of the dead and retrieve the Necronomicon so he can return home. Andy Blockley, you know fine well... It's not the synopsis I'd give it. <laughs> <laughs> Shush! <laughs> uh, you have four questions to answer as part of this. I get the feeling in your version of this review, the second question is going to be heavily weighted. Uh, but the first question I'm going to ask you, what, if anything, does Army of Darkness do well? <laughs> right. It does things well, Andy Blockley. Don't let me show it you. All right, the first half an hour... Right, I was I was kind of on board with. I thought, yeah, this case is a little bit different. Nobody wants to see a third film in in a cabin because you know the second one was pretty much just a remake of the first one and not as good. So mm. don't do it a third time, right? So they take it somewhere else. That's mm. fine. <laughs> right, take it take it to to the medieval dead. Is basically what it is, isn't it? So they've gone there, and I thought, okay, this is fine. I, I didn't remember it because I haven't watched it for quite a long time. And then literally, like it's at the thirty minute mark. When I, you've asked me what it does well, haven't you? I haven't got anything. Yeah, <laughs> I wait to hear what it does well. It does a lot well. So, go on. Because <laughs> hang on a sec, right? Let me just say this. For okay, maybe for someone that's never listened to the podcast under the stairs before, what Duncan does, if it's a film that you're lukewarm on, mm-hmm. you end up going, ah, oh, it's actually really good, isn't it? After Duncan fucking talks you into it, <laughs> and if it's a film that, and it's a, if it's a film that you don't like at all. You come away after speaking to Duncan thinking this is nowhere near as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> not today, buddy. Right? It's not happening today. I'm not. Listeners, don't listen to him. I think he's on to me. Um, no, no. I, like, listen, I, have a, a, I have a particular set of skills, Andy Blockley. Um, I, I, <laughs> I have a very particular lack of skills. <laughs> Go on. I, I, I like speaking passionately about movies. If I if I don't like a movie, I will say I don't like a movie. But I believe that if you're going to critique a movie, good or bad, you should always be able to, unless the movie legitimately doesn't have anything good on it, you should still be able to pluck out something good about the movie. Um, sure, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. if you didn't from this movie, allow me to wax lyrical on what this movie actually does well, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball in here. I know the reason that you don't like this but I know one of the reasons you don't like this movie is you don't like the pivot towards humour 
which happened in the previous movie. So you've got to take this movie as a standalone entry, sir, and not compare it to the first movie. You've got to take it for what it is. So this is a, a comedy slash horror, whereas the previous... This is the overall movie of this genre, right? Oh, sorry, this movie franchise. is The first movie is a horror movie with slight amounts of comedy. The second movie is a horror comedy. This movie is a comedy horror. Um, and then the remake is a horror movie, but with no comedy at all. So, they, they were always pivoting this way. So when you come to this one, the comedy is foremost at the front. I will say that I find this movie funny. I, I think Bruce Campbell is larger than life in this movie. I think his dialogue is kind of great. Um, so th that I would herald as a... This is the one, to me, where you get... Ash, the character, which most people associate with the Evil Dead now, right? For good or for bad, regardless what your opinion is, this is the embodiment of it. It's the it's the wise talking, you know, one liner delivering anti hero who literally has the the, the reverse Midas touch in this movie. Everything he touches goes wrong. There is no gold at the end of this. He can't do anything right at all, um, and I kind of love that about him. I think. Bruce Campbell plays that really, really well. He has such a enigmatic on-screen presence. It's very difficult not to want to watch Bruce Campbell on screen, even if he is doing a weird kind of Irish jig and slapping himself. Um, you know what I mean? I, I, I can't help but smile in that one. I love the the references to, to Ray Harryhausen. Now, you may argue that it's not done as well, I would counter by saying, name any movie from 1992 that's even using effects like that, for good or for bad. They're, they just aren't being used. People have moved away from that point. So, I mean, Sam Raimi's kind of nodding towards a, a style of filmmaking, which you just didn't see anymore. Now, like all Evil Dead movies, it's not handled great, but I like that a bit as well. I actually really like the story. I, I think the story in this one's goofy as balls, and I, I, I kind of like the idea that you have these two kind of warring tribes he's slap bang in the middle of it he, he is the the savior the prophet that's been sent from the books unfortunately the savior and prophet that's been sent from the books is shit you know he, chosen one is like the chosen one is it's crap in this movie yeah. it's, it's not it's like <laughs> this is the hero that they, they they get that they don't deserve um I love that aspect of it as well. It has tons of references to other movies out there which make me smile. Um, obviously didn't make you smile. And I'll, I'll say that. That's the <sighs> weird thing about Army of Darkness is it makes me smile as a movie. I, 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 mm. I have... It's not that I have a lot of fun watching the movie. I just feel good when I'm watching the movie. If I'm sitting down watching Army of Darkness expecting Evil Dead... I, you know, I was never going to get that because the previous movie had already made a twist away from it that, you know, by six degrees of separation, you were never going to get that just now. So uh, to say that you couldn't find anything good about this movie makes me think that you walk in with an attitude of, I will not like anything about this movie. Not true. I literally went in with the most open mind possible. I thought, right, I'm, I think I might like this this time. I properly went in there. You didn't like the fact, You didn't like the, Bruce Campbell at all in this movie? I fucking hated him. I literally want to rip his head off. I like, honestly, it, it, may be, it makes me angry. I'm never watching this film again. <laughs> 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 like... 
there's there's a there's like a 15 minute section between like about 30 minutes and 45 minutes where it's just basically the ash show but what's wrong with that he's a star of the movie awful i think it's fucking badly written i think i think he's a shit actor honestly i I will slap you in your face and then spit (coughs) on you and call you a slut (laughs) honestly like i don't understand it I i think the actual character of ash is just the biggest insufferable prick like i can't he's stand not him. supposed to be but I, but there's nothing endearing about it for me like there's literally i i hate him <laughs> like i just want to throw something at the screen like i can't it's i don't know what it is going for me it's not that i don't like like goofy comedy like like kung fu hustle uh, is great like mr vampire like dead alive it's not that i'm against goofiness I just fucking don't like it. I don't, Do you not like think, this. but he is the on-screen representation of the American blowhard. You know what I mean? Full of bravado, full of swagger, I'll sort your problem. In fact, he is America encapsulated in a character. I'll yeah, fix right. out this problem in the Middle East. <laughs> What's, me? What's yeah. the worst thing that I can, what, what can happen? He leaves and everything is in disarray. He's like the embodiment of that. He's not supposed to be... He's not supposed to be a, a totally likable character. He is supposed to be kind of reprehensible because in each of these occasions, in all of these movies, Ash is the one that has brought the the problem, which he is then reluctant to solve. Yeah. In all these movies, but you never, no line in this movie made you smile at all. No, I I was just cringing more and more with each one. I just thought, who wrote this shit? Like, I oh, I just God. think it's fucking awful. And let me tell you, right, like it's not. Like the sort of comedy, not that I'm like being a comedy snob or anything, because I'm not like I say, I do like, there is some goofy stuff I like. I mean, my kind of, the stuff I like is like Curb Your Enthusiasm, like The Office, like Ghostbusters, like Faulty Towers, like anything like John Hughes, Spinal Tap. Yeah. So, you know, that's the kind of thing I like. I mean, I like stuff, I don't know if anyone's American listeners have seen like the UK version of The Inbetweeners. Yeah. I think that's probably about as broad as I kind of like with comedy. I do like prefer sort of subtle comedy. Um, but there is some, like, I can appreciate, like, well-written dialogue, even though it's not for me. I just think I just think it's awful. Like, literally every single line. I feel like I'm watching some really shitty amateur play. And Bruce Campbell is just, I don't know, I, I just don't fucking like him. And I don't really like him in anything. <laughs> So I think if it was a different, I appreciate the American blowhard thing, and I haven't really looked at it from that point of view. But obviously, we talked about Big Trouble in Little China, and that's kind of what Jack Burton is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, Jack, he's he's a he's a Jack Burton esque character, but played more for slapstick than because Jack Burton's a knob, like do you know what I mean. But but you think, but you love him, you know. He's 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 a fucking incredible, one of my favourite like on screen characters of all time. He's a dickhead. So it's not that it's not that's not what I've got the issue with. Like you know, it's fine that you can laugh at someone giving it the big end because everyone laughs at that. You know, it's this like vanity thing, isn't it? People that really think, you know, like you say, think they can fucking solve things and they just fucking can't. That is a funny scenario. I haven't got a problem with that. I just think the way it's performed and delivered by Bruce Campbell and the and the and the material that he's got to work with is just like uh, I feel like it just fucking makes me want to fucking be sick so I mean the Tell animated skeletons really thing think, Andy. The, the animated skeletons thing was pretty cool but I just thought so you did like something then like, yeah but I just thought they've like they've they've ruined any like that could have been quite cool and quite creepy and it's but just it's not so creepy for creepiness 
But it could be though, like put a little bit of it in there. It's still an Evil Dead. It's still meant to be in the Evil Dead canon. Right. Let, like... let, me, let me pivot because I came armed for this one. I came armed for this one specifically. Right. You love Jason Goes to Hell. Oh yeah. It's right. Probably, it's probably Jason probably like it's probably like my second favorite Friday the Thirteenth. Right, but there's about five or six scenes in Jason Goes to Hell that could be played for horror that are not played for horror at all. Uh, In fact, even more than that, there's more scenes. In fact, that movie, like, that movie stems so far from the original intention and source material of, of what a Friday the 13th movie is that it does go into cheesy nonsense and campiness and all the rest. That's kind of its charm. Like a character yeah, like Creighton true. Duke would never have existed in the early, earlier ones, and him being on screen snapping fingers to weirdly get off in a prison cell and all the rest is so far removed from where it goes that sometimes you have to take that journey. And I like that though. Like that, that that's just for me. It's just some, them doing something different after like eight films that would just get progressively worse. Yeah, but I also, but in this one, what they're doing is they're changing them in every movie. You know, they're changing tone in every movie. Um, and Evil Dead. Yeah, I'm I mean, not, for me, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like what they did with Night with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for me. Like, I think like the first Evil Dead is like the first Chainsaw Massacre. The second one is like is getting to like the second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, then, but, so yeah, I don't it, mind that. It's I weird. Don't it's, mind, weird. Um, it's weird that changing the, tone. Go on, sorry. I was going to say it's weird that Toby Hooper approaches that very similar to what Sam Raimi does, and that Sam Raimi said that his first Evil Dead movie was supposed to be more comedic. It just turned out that it you know it resonated more horrific with audiences so when he got the opportunity to make a second one he put his he leaned more into what his original intention was toby hooper said the same thing when he made texas chainsaw massacre he genuinely thought people would laugh at the uh, preposterousness of it and people didn't so when he made the second one he leaned more into the comedic aspects that he wanted to add to the movie um, okay. to make it stand out. So there's a, there's a lot of parallels between them. But I mean, the fact that the fact that Toby Hooper thought that people were going to laugh at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre just shows exactly how much cocaine. Yeah, yeah, like, to, Toby Hooper <laughs> thought like, the Toby Hooper thought the Texas Chainsaw Massacre would get a PG rating when it released. It. That's why he held back on the blood. He's not right in the head. But that's why he held back in the blood. Okay. He said that he said if I can cut out all this blood, his in his mind. What would give it its its like its X rating or whatever was all the blood that was going to be in it. Right, so, so you can stove someone's head in with a sledgehammer, can you? And that's yeah, like, what like, are you talking yeah, about, yeah, Toby? But, yeah, but it's, it's so far away in the distance. Like that's yeah. why that shot shot that way. You don't actually even when they put on the hook, it's they're dumped on, so you don't see anything. And that's the genius oh, of the isn't movie. Isn't it just an incredible fucking accident? Because all those little things that he meant that he deliberately thought was making it made less it <laughs> made it worse. Made it scary, and he played by the rule book of what he did was thank, a made thank, a fucking uh, terrifying experience. Thank God for Toby Hooper and his addiction problems, because <laughs> yes. it's like one of the greatest horror films ever made. Yes, lightning, lightning in a bottle. But I think yeah, Army, right. Army of Darkness, and I, I don't disagree with people that can't take that leap to the comedy. I really, really don't. I understand that some people just want want a movie to be in keeping with the the. Some people like movies to be in keeping with the way uh, a franchise sets out, right? And I understand that. That first movie is a testament to what can be done with no money, with, like, DIY filmmaking at its best, and a group of really hungry 
talented individuals brainstorming and working out ideas on the spot. Right, that's what Evil Dead is. Evil Dead 2 is the refined version of that, in my opinion. I know you don't like it, but it's the refined version. It's what happens when the filmmaker is a bit better, has learned from his previous movie, has more money to play with, and wants to take another swing at a story he doesn't feel he achieved well in the first one. He can He's a filmmaker, so he can see the warts and all, all the seams and all the cracks in that first one. So yeah. he comes back and, and wants to do it better. And there's a reason why, and I know you'll disagree with me, I think Evil Dead 2 is the superior movie. Um, right. Because I think, it, I think it handles tone and structure and effects and, and, and it starts to shine into all the elements you hate about Bruce Campbell I love about him as a yeah. character. So when you get to Army of Darkness, this is the bloated version of that, you know, the bloated version of the character. Let's let's drag him out, let's give him a bigger set, and let's increase the stakes, so to speak, and, and let's really have fun with the subject matter. So when you get to Army of Darkness, it's goofy, it's over the top, and it's ridiculous, but it's kind of supposed to be, because they can't do it. If they're going to do another Evil Dead movie, how do they do that? They've already taken two swings at it. Um, yeah, I mean, but bear in mind, I knew that going in. It's yeah. not like it's the first time I'd seen it. I knew full well it's a goofy film, and I approached it as a complete standalone movie because I don't really consider it an Evil Dead film. And it, it kind of isn't because it drops out from the title as well. Yeah, so. So, so apart from the fact that like it's got Bruce Campbell and the Necronomicons in it, I literally don't even consider it an Evil Dead film. So I did go in like completely open-hearted and open-minded and as a, as a completely standalone film. I didn't like it based on that. Yeah. Like, I just don't think it's a funny comedy. I think it's like lowest common denominator for me. I, like, it's... there was no way I was going to change your mind. I, I knew this coming in. There's no way. Like, you're saying the Duncan approach is he does things, and then you think when you come up. I'd like had I even remotely made the. But that's not. Let opinion. me just say that's not you. That's not you deliberately trying to manipulate people. That's just the passion and the excitement you bring about films makes people makes like people. Oh God, I hadn't even noticed. I fucking know you're right. Know that. Oh God, it. But for me, like there, there literally is nothing about this. Like there's just no redeeming features about this film. No matter how how much you say it's good like I, I don't know what it is i think it's just one of these the mark on like dialogue in the story it's like the setting this is like which is a shame because i do you know i'll give this i'll rewatch the second one at some point uh, just kind of see if my mind changes on that it's weird yeah, it's weird I, I yeah but it's, I, I like i like we did the when we did the bars thing Baz hated this movie, <laughs> to put it yeah. bluntly. Not only did he hate this movie, he took my guest that I brought on, who I know does like this movie, and by the end of it, he was agreeing with Baz. He did the reverse Duncan. <laughs> he was like, yeah, actually, that is shit, Baz. And I'm like, what are you doing, Danny? Stick with me yeah. here. Like, let's not, let's, don't abandon the cause. Um, yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. I really, really, really do. I, I understand where you're coming with that. There are certain movies... In front, like this is that's my issue with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is the issue that you have with Army of Darkness, is that I think they take it to by that fourth one or fifth one. See when he's like the Wicked Witch of the West in the fifth one at the beginning, I'm like, oh, yeah, what yeah. the fuck are we doing here? Like, what yeah. are we actually doing here? And so I get it, I get the jump, I do get the jump, and I understand where you're coming from, and I, I see that the bit that that 
the bit I think flabbergasts me more is the fact that out with those skeletons, you can't see anything in this movie you like. Like, none of no. the effects at all. I think they're all awfully shit. Like, <laughs> all of them. It's like Evil Dead is fine because it was fucking like 1981 or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, and obviously, I do appreciate that that they've still gone for the practical but for me like, I think this a K and B should be fucking embarrassed <laughs> I think it's like one of the worst things they've ever done I don't understand what they were thinking like it's just it's so cheap and so shit looking and that I know that's like kind of canon for the if you're looking at the first film but it's almost like there's nobody tried no one fucking made an effort I don't I can't like I can't. I don't understand what they were thinking. I don't know if it's meant to be really shit or it's just like they didn't have any money. I don't know. I don't I know think, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I, I think I don't think they. It's a goofy movie. I don't think you spend a shitload of money on on effects for a goofy movie. The budget must have been the budget must have been much higher than the first film, and they're ten times worse. Yeah, but I, I imagine by this point, practical effects cost more because the art's gone. Yeah, maybe, but K and B are doing it though. It's not like they're about to get a new like. Surely they're kind of, they were they were fairly early at that point, weren't they? Still like, they weren't nowhere near as famous as what they are now. Yeah, yeah, this is still early times. But I think also as well the the push towards what they're aiming for here kind of ties the hands of because they are going for that kind of swashbuckling sort of a kind of swords and sandals. I mean, that doesn't help because anything that's got swashbuckling in immediately just puts me off anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's, but that's I mean, the tone that they're going for. If the yeah, second yeah. movie's aiming for a kind of Three Stooges-esque tone in the way the humour's delivered, this one is aiming for a kind of Harryhausen-esque interpretation of the effects and stuff like that. And that's what it gets here. I mean, when you see the kind of Gulliver's Travels nod of the, the small ashes, I mean, that's that's pretty much the same effect and same techniques that would have used in the original Gulliver's Travels. When you see the, 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 the skeletons coming back together, that's the sort of thing you would have seen in Jason and Argonaut. So they're using yeah. the same techniques. It's just in 91, um, you know, the, 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 the charm and the ability to house those in a modern-looking movie just make them stand out even more. Yeah, like because the techniques have all changed. So when you do that in your movies, you're like, oh right, that you know I can kind of see. There is a there's a couple of scenes in this movie where literally someone has grabbed a skeleton toy and flung it at Ash. Um, like like someone, just like he's walking along with them gets because he grab like you can see he get thrown at him practically. He grabs yeah, it and, goes, and I'm ah. sure that is and I'm sure that's meant to be funny. Like I think know, it's hilarious. But... Well, I think it, I think it kind of is. I think it is because yeah. I'd like I, I just think that's the humour of these movies. It's the yeah. same people that, you know, would in the second movie throw things at him when he was at the camera or like smack him in the face with branches uh, yeah. when he was doing things to, to get a reaction. I, to me I feel the I feel the joy that must have went into making this movie, watching it. Okay. Like it just resonates yeah. with me. I think if you can't feel that joy, then I am one hundred percent with you. I think this is an exercise and a joke that I don't get. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, I think you've summed it up perfectly there. Like, and I do feel bad for anyone that's listening to this that really likes it. Like, I'm not insulting anyone's intelligence by saying <laughs> yeah, it's not funny. Totally, because it'd be things that yeah, I don't mean to though. If that sounds like that's what I'm doing, then I wholeheartedly apologise. <laughs> no, you're not. I will take that. That's honestly not what I want to do. I don't want to be this like comedy snob. Well, you know, I like I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I just I think you've just that 
I, I think I can't say any any better than what you've just said. It's a fucking joke that I just don't get. Yeah, basically. So let's let's yeah. lean more into it then, because with, like you you've you've obviously told there's very little about the movie, if anything that that is kind of like a, a positive for you. And we've kind of started off with the negatives. You don't like Ash. You don't like the humour. You don't like the dialogue. Um, you're not particularly happy with the effects. Um, you think it's the worst things I've done. Is there anything else in the movie, negatively speaking? I know that this is a, a Pandora's box of opening it up here, but is there anything else negatively speaking that is worthy of mention just now? No, I haven't got. I think I've covered it all. <laughs> really, I just um, yeah, I'm just glad it was an hour twenty. <laughs> I think there is a longer version, and luckily I didn't get hold of that one. Did you see the two endings, or what ending did did you? Or... Um, he's back in the shop, and it basically just replays what happened like right back at the beginning. Yeah, did you see the other ending then? No. Right, so there's two. You know, there's two endings to the movie, though. Yeah, yeah, I know there's two. Yeah. Yeah, so the, just the not interested in. <laughs> so, so the the idea of the second ending being that basically he sleeps too long, um, okay, and uh, he wakes up and the deadites have destroyed the world and it's a kind of planet planet of the apes esque thing where you can see the Statue of Liberty sticking out of sand and the top. I think of, I'd have much preferred that one. Well, that's like that's. I think that's the one they were kind of aiming for. I think the talks that they had about somehow linking um, the Evil Dead remake back to Ash, that kind of teaser they do at the end credits, would somehow link that Ash from the future back into it, this kind of chiselled, insane Ash who's been stuck um, in a future where the world has been fucked um, okay. by his actions and bring him back. And obviously that never happened. Uh, it never it never saw the light of day and we got the TV show instead but that that was the aim they were going for which yeah I'm with you I like that I like the ending of them you know like Hell uh, to the King baby you know I, lo- I love that idea yeah. but it's very Ash but at the same time the kind of the bumbling Ash who like miscounts the amount of drops he's taken the same guy that coughs when he can't read the the Necronomicon yeah. uh, would yeah. sleep too long and ultimately condemn the earth to, to fucking destruction uh, also kind of fits within the, the, the character. Um, I know where you're going to go with this one, uh, so this could be fun. Question number three is, Cardinal Sins, um, in the canon of the Evil Dead franchise, does this movie jump the shark? Does this commit any Cardinal Sins? And if so, what are they? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I can't say that it definitely... I mean, it had, for me, it did jump the shark because yep. I, because for me, part two is watchable, part three isn't. <laughs> um, but is it, in the, is it in the canon? Yeah, it kind of is because obviously the first one does what it does, the second one introduces the goofiness and the third one almost like flips it on its head and goes full goofy. So I think in the canon... If, comparing it to Evil Dead 1, no, it's not in the canon whatsoever. But once you've then watched part two and go, oh, okay, I see what they're doing here. They're, they're slowly introducing this comedy thing. And then obviously it's 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 in there for part three. Um, so it's difficult, isn't it? Because it, it does do the thing that t- Texas Chainsaw does. Mm-hmm. Like it goes from literally one of the greatest, creepiest horror films of all time to just like a film that's work, like it's watchable, but it's, it's not a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film for me at all, that second one. And that's kind of what I think with this Evil Dead. It's just not an Evil Dead movie as as I feel like in my heart. When someone says to me Evil Dead, I think the first one and I think the remake. Yeah. So for me, the cardinal sin in this one is just, I think it's badly written. And I think that for me, 
like it, there's just no place for that for that comedy in 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 what I would personally consider an Evil Dead film. Nice, see, succinct, right to the point. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to argue with you because that one is a purely subjective question. So yeah, that's that's cool. Right, so let's let's say let's bring this in <laughs> to the fourth question. Is there a scene, good or bad? I imagine it's going to be bad that you would highlight out to give to someone to put them off of watching Army of Darkness. What would that scene be in? Why? Right, it'd be thirty minutes to forty minutes because I had a look. I, I marked it. I marked when I marked it. What point it literally took a nosedive, and it was it's almost bang on thirty minutes when it's just Ash on his own in the woods, and that literally continues for ten minutes, and then a, roughly another five as well when like it kind of goes, it flicks back and forth to Ash. But yeah, from the thirty minute mark to the forty minute mark, if I showed someone that, I think they'd go now. They'd either go, oh, this is great, like I'll watch the rest of it, or they'll go, oh fuck, yeah, it's not for me this movie. There we go, there we go. So we swing it to grades. Oh no. Uh, you know fine well we do. <laughs> I can't believe we're going to do this. Uh, Netflix grades uh, here, and it's all about them feels. Uh, one is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is really liked it. Uh, no, what, I can't, can I not do this anymore. I'm struggling with this every week. One is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, five is loved it. You can do point fives. Zero is an option. Uh, what do you give Army of Darkness? Oh, this is very rare for me, but I, I hated it. It's a one. <laughs> <laughs> Just, and I never, and I honestly don't give stuff a one. Like it's, I, I, I very, very rarely there's a film where I don't find at least something in it that I like. I mean, for me, like if I don't really like the film, I can, I, I can even stretch it to a two and a half sometimes. But for me, like. There's there's literally nothing in this uh, that I, I'll never I'll literally never watch it again. It's it's a one I'm afraid. There we go, there we go. Breaks my heart, breaks my heart. Uh, my grade for this one, it's interesting. Uh, watching it, watching it back this time. I watched this one four nights ago. Um, so I watched them all in order. I've watched them during the week uh, just to get myself in the position that I need to be. Uh, yeah, I I do really like this movie. I do. Um, weirdly enough, when it comes to the grade. I'll give it a 3.5, which is maybe okay. slightly lower than I usually give this movie. It's usually about a 4. Um, right. But because I'm franchise stacking just now and I know where my grades for all my movies lie... Uh, I thought you were going to say, because I broke your heart. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had Baz rip on this movie. I've had you rip on this movie. I thought, it's, it's weird. I see all the flaws in this movie. And there are a lot of flaws in this movie. In fact, if anything, the flaws in this, mo this movie are more air apparent than the ones in the original Evil Dead where I can see all the seams and everything that's broken yeah. in that movie. Yeah. This one I can see on a grander scale. I just think it adds to the charm of the movie. I, I find this movie... And I think, it, once again, this stems down to... A lot of this stems into the nostalgic feels I have of watching Armour of Darkness as a kid. About the same time as I was watching movies like Darkman. Darkman is not a good movie either. Um, no. But it's, it's that kind of early 90s Raimi where he was just playing with weird and wacky things like that. Yeah. And I, I, it, sometimes it totally works and sometimes it doesn't. But if you watched it at the right time and it connected with you, that movie stays with you forever. Uh, and yeah. Army of Darkness will always stay with me. It might never score as high as it was the first time I watched it, but I always... I, end up, I can quote this movie inside out. That's how many times I've seen it. So... Um, you don't do that if you don't like a movie. So you know, you, you, no one, no one memorizes a movie they hate. Um, 
so yeah, it's a three point five for me for this one. Yeah, it's between I like it and I really like it. It's one that I throw on not as often as I used to, but you know, it's always a joy. It's always a joy when I do. Uh, yeah. It's been awesome chatting to you about this one because this has been. <laughs> we're talking about like twenty nineteen seems to be the year that we managed to bring forward a lot of shows that. I've had in the back of my head for ages um, yeah. and one of them is like we finally managed to talk about Big Trouble in Little China on Podcast Under the Stairs which yeah. made me smile um, and we've also managed so if you want yeah, for anyone that like goes oh god Andy Buffy's a right miserable cunt go and listen to me on that <laughs> I've literally got joy in my heart talking about that one yeah but well, this is another one where I I know your opinions of very strongly um, on our red darkness so the chance that we managed to, to lock this in and record it has made me happy um, and yeah people all, I don't think like the weird thing about when I previously did this with Baz is I said to Baz you strap yourself in for the hate train that's about to pull in at the podcast under the stairs station um, and, <laughs> uh, and unload on you Baz for what you said and weirdly enough turns out a, a lot more people agreed with him than they did with me so I get the feeling that Andy you're preaching from the pulpit to a huge section of teapot listeners who will totally agree with your stance on it Okay, let's go. I'm just keeping it real anyway. Like, I'd obviously, I, I was just, I think I have recaptured what I would, you know, if you had a recorder with me last night, you'd have pretty much got the same thing <laughs> as my immediate reaction. So I've managed to kind of bottle it and keep it keep oh, it there. I love the fact that you said to me on Messenger last night, you're like, you never know, I might change my mind. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, that's not, like, like, I know you that might. Does, that I know does that... prove I was, I was genuinely <laughs> open-minded going in. Like I wasn't, like I wanted to like it. I honestly wanted to surprise you and like and make you laugh at the fact that I turned, turned, turned around on it. Like I really wanted that to happen, and like, oh, and it just from the thirty-minute mark onwards, it was just slipping away, and I was like, oh no. Yeah, look, I can I can understand a sea change shift to you enjoying a movie like Suspiria, right? I can understand that because of the mechanics behind that movie. I could understand yeah. you appreciating that more. I know I know why you don't like this movie, and regardless if you're drunk, tipsy, or even even euphoric, like. Post post orgasm. If you sat down and watched this movie, you're gonna have exactly the same feeling because those those issues that you have are not just in tone, but they're in the overall mechanics of the movie, which will not change because you are right on the mechanics of this movie. Um, yeah. It's just you view them as a negative, and I view them as a positive. So. Yep. There we go. There we go. Andy Blockley, thank you very much for joining me. You will be back real soon. Uh, next month, we will be sitting down to talk about a little movie called Climax. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where we Have you seen be... Have you watched it yet? No, I've got it. I no. haven't watched it. I will watch it the week of our recording. I'm holding off cool. to the last minute to watch it because um, I yeah. can't wait to. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. That might end up being a similar situation where one of us really enjoys it and the other one doesn't. It might be both of us enjoy it or it might be both of us hate it. Who knows? Mm, it's the, the beauty of those ones. I will say this before you go. Um, for future planning, and this is to tease listeners, to future plan uh, Andy Loves Art House, what David Lynch movies have you actually seen? Um, I've started watching loads of them. <laughs> right, so have you, right, so have you finished like Mulholland Drive? I uh, no. Have you finished um, Lost in... Uh, no, Lost in Translation. That's not... That, could you imagine? Holy shit. Uh, Lost Highway? Uh, no. Uh, Inland? I started with that one. You've never... Oh, right, yeah. well... Dude, I think that's as I think that's as locked and loaded on the, the the next episode. I think we'll be bringing Lynch into the fold. Well, all, all lost highway. 
this should be interesting because Lynch is like another kind of thing. I just I don't get it. So, but it's been a long time though, and my tastes do change. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if. I mean, I guess that's that. Is that a good one? Is that a famous one? Uh, Lost a, Highway is the the one where it's like post Twin Peaks, so he comes off doing Twin Peaks and he launches Lost Highway, and that's the one in a lot of respects where people are like, this is where Lynch becomes this director who is obsessed with alternative dimensions and time structures that don't make sense and you imagine if i end up liking david lynch is like a fucking like gold mine of stuff then that i've never seen oh yeah yeah if you if you if you like lost highway then me and you pretty much have the next year mapped out (laughs) (laughs) well let's see right uh, i'm gonna jump out just now you're gonna hear promos for shows that i love you're also gonna hear the trailer for our final movie review of this russian roulette franchise retrospective ladies and gents it's time to discuss the evil Dead remake. Joining me on that review is the fantastic Scott from Scotland Liam vs. Evil. I'll be right back to do that right after this. Hey everybody, this is Tim Dorn. My name is Gareth Evans. Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Time Crimes and Open Windows. Hey, this is Graham Skipper. Hola, soy Macarena Gomez. Hello, this is number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler. Yo, monkeys. It's me, D-D-P. And you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Which, as you know, is the best damn idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Jason Voorhees! It'll make you come hard. And that's not a bad thing. That monkey is a good thing. Bam! You can find The Little Pot of Horrors on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes.
Scott and Liam versus Evil. And welcome back. So here we are, ladies and gents, at the end of our journey. Oh, another franchise has gone by the wayside. It's taken a bit of time, but we are finally here. Uh, we are at Evil Dead, the remake from 2013. Now, the last guest joining me, um, to say that I'm excited would be an understatement. Uh, so excited that I got up super early. My morning wood is still here. It's not even had a chance to go away yet. So it feels appropriate for him to be on the other end of the line. So if I touch myself inappropriately, I don't feel guilty. Um, he is one half of easily one of the best podcasts out there. Um, he is the charming, always witty... Uh, Scott from Scotland vs Evil. How are you doing, Scott? I'm I'm doing very well, thank you very much. Thank you for getting up so early to talk to me on a Sunday morning. Yeah, this is going to be good, man. This is going to be good because um, I swung at the suggestion. I was like, ah, let's get Scott in on this one. This could be fun because I don't think we've ever talked about Evil Dead at all. So I don't even know your position on any of the movies at mm-hmm. all. Um, okay. And so this could go anyway. I, I, I genuinely don't know what you would make of any of these movies so landing with the remake with you and knowing that you tend to favour more modern horror movies I thought if we were going to talk about an Evil Dead movie this would probably be appropriate and fate shone a, a, a chirpy smile down on us as I pulled your name out of the hat so let me give you some info and let's let's get talking about this so this is um, this was the remake from 2013 directed by Ferry Alvarez who has went on to much bigger and better things since well you could Depends how you look at it, maybe not necessarily better. Um, since this movie's done Don't Breathe, um, he did that um, girl with the web of... Sp- I don't know what it was called. Girl with the spider's web. The the new kind of kick-off instalment for the Dragon Tattoo series. Um, he's lined up to do Don't Breathe 2, and his name's already been linked to the new Labyrinth reboot as well. So. How can they do a Don't Breathe 2? I have no fucking idea. Well, he's alive at the end, isn't he? That that movie just I don't know, there was that whole turkey basin scene just took it a step too far, man, you know. <laughs> I remember I remember I didn't go and see it in the cinema. Uh, I remember getting out on Blu-ray when it came out and sitting in the house and just kinda of plodding along with it, going, This is this is kinda of good and that scene happened and uh, I I kinda of somewhere between wretched and um, like stood up and applauded. I was like, you, you've literally given me something I've never seen before in a movie. Um, yeah, well, that's definitely true. <laughs> uh, now, you could argue, no one should ever have to see that, and I, I would agree. Uh, but, yeah, so he's went on to, like, bigger and better things. They've given the turkey baster guy the, the keys to Labyrinth, which blows my mind. Um, but this movie, anyway, came out in 2013, stars Jane Levy... Shahola Fernandez, Lou Taylor Pucci, Jessica Lucas, Elizabeth Blackmore, Phoenix Connolly, Jim McClarty, Cyan Davis, Stephen Buttersworth, other folk in the movie. And the synopsis. You, what? Well, sorry, just the button. Do you know who uh, Lou Taylor Pucci is? No, I don't. Uh, he is the guy. The, uh, he is the guy from the Jesus of Suburbia Green Day music video. And when that mu- mu- music video came out, I thought that guy was so fucking cool. Like, so. <laughs> It's a, it's a change of pace for him. It, it looks completely different. It does. I, I would yeah. never have put the two together. Yeah. That's totally who it is. 
I'm surprised you knew who it was. You just like clicked yeah. straight away. Did you know that when you watched the movie for the first time? I think I, I, I learned it through like looking up the cast, but no, I knew it when I was watching it. I, I think I learned it looking up the cast like one of the first times I watched it. Wow, <laughs> it is a change of pace. I'm going to be in a yeah. Green Day video. I'm going to be in this. I'm going to be in this Evil Dead movie. Um, synopsis on IMDb is actually surprisingly succinct, considering it's IMDb. It says five friends head to a remote cabin where the discovery of a book of the dead leads them to unwittingly summon up demons living in the nearby woods. Um, Scott, this is your first Russian roulette franchise retrospective. I'm hoping that's not going to be your last. Hopefully you have a good experience over here. Um, yes. So there's four simple questions that I need you to answer. We can go now, just, see, by this being my first Russian roulette experience mm-hmm. um, on your podcast, um, you told me about these four questions about five minutes ago. If you if you told me these when you told when you asked me on the, this uh, particular episode, I could have took notes and and, and with those questions in mind. Um, <laughs> well, even wrote, we'll I've got notes in here that I've got jokes in them, and I thought oh, these are definitely working, and it will sound as if I'm just being you know like off the cuff. And, <laughs> and now that's it. That's all. So <laughs> you hear this, like, Duncan? This is the sound of paper being ripped up. <laughs> It's the sound of fucking paper being ripped up. Um, yeah, well, okay, listen. Well, you know what I'm like. I'm accommodating. We'll roll with it, buddy. We'll roll with it. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. This is, this is what it's... It's all about being flexible and agile. And that's that's why I'm... Well, maybe not flexible or agile, but we'll, we'll make it work. Uh, the first question that I will ask you is, what, if anything, does Evil Dead the remake do well? No, what does it do well? And that, that, that you need to ask, does it do anything well? Yeah. And, yeah, you're right, it does. It does do some things well. Mm-hmm. Um, d- right, now, what does it do well? The gore. The gore is good. The gore is done well. The effects are done well. There's some really good scenes in there that you just, you, you look at it, and I think everybody looked at it and thought, <gasps> and just, I mean, when it was in the cinema, you've got the scene where, she, where her skin's burning and mm-hmm. under the boiling water. You've got the scene where uh, cutting her tongue in half. Which you've gave got, me uh, the heave in the cinema. <laughs> you've got um, him getting stabbed with a needle, like, oh, yeah. times in the face. Uh, when when the uh, the machete comes through the wall and, like, slices through her knee, mm-hmm. that gives you shivers up the back, up your back as well. And uh, the uh, meat cutter cutting off her arm yeah. and I think the, what they cut off the arm is one of those scenes that sticks in people's memories like that was used in the, the trailer I believe if I remember correctly and it was like the, that was the big payoff scene mm-hmm. that they, they kind of went with and it, it does it looks good however there's some CGI blood that falls off at one point I think I still think it's that arm I think it's the other arm um, and it, that didn't really hold up well and it's only been what like five years yeah. six years yeah, yeah. it's surprising how quick CGI the technology changes that much in high def as well um, yeah. It's surprising how quick these things are highlighted now. Yeah, I often wondered, like, if it was, if it's just the first time round, you don't look for these wee kind of small parts that, that don't work for you. you. Know the CGI where you don't look for it looking crap. You, the first time round when you watch it, the movie's brand new, so you just like subconsciously think, oh, it looks great. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch back, like I remember watching back like um, Ghostbusters, and it's not really a really good example because uh, when those. Uh, uh, dogs are on it's not even CGI I think it's like old fashioned like painted over the top kind of thing like animation yep. and watching it back like years later I was thinking that looks awful I yes. didn't track for the movie at all but I mean it looks terrible but uh, I, I never remembered them the first time watching it like that it was that bad 
and when you know, like, yeah. sorry, sorry, completely like tangent on the Ghostbusters here, but like that, I was that came out. What was it? Ghostbusters eighty four, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's eighty eighty three, eighty four, I think. Yeah. So you're talking like it's already going to have been out for years by the time I'm going to watch it and remember it. Mm-hmm. So to to not even notice the first time round, like how bad that ages. Um, so I'm wondering, like, see, when you watch any of these movies back, like, I think, I think your first time watching, I think psychologically, subconsciously, you don't really notice. Yeah, I think it's, it's also how you're conditioned as well. I think um, if you, I think if you're like a kid in movies now, you're just used to things being CGI. So your your brain, like, when I was younger, and I'm, I just want to stress, I'm not that, not that old for the comparison yeah. that I'm going to use here. But, um, yeah, you're right. In that one, it's a combination of... Uh, I think it's a comp- uh, combination of uh, superimposed stills and claymation as well. Um, yeah. And if you grew up watching, like, the Harryhausen stuff, the kind of claymation stuff, that is an effect you get used to seeing in films. As a result of that, it, your brain just auto-adjusts auto to it. So that's just a standard effect that you see. Um, if you then... Like, it's, it's the reason that I've read... I, I don't know why I do it to myself, but I, I do tend to read modern reviews of older films. And if you read reviews of things like The Thing, for example, modern, like, younger people watch that movie and say, well, some of the effects are really cheesy and really bad. But to me, they're the kind of pinnacle of practical effects. But I grew up watching practical effects in movies, so I know what's a good practical effect and what's a bad one. And yeah, maybe they don't hold up with a modern eye, but I, I, I can appreciate the craft. I think when you're conditioned to seeing CGI, you just it just washes... Like, to me, whenever I see CGI fire, it just looks fake. Always looks fake. They've never been able to perfect CGI fire for me in a way that I accept it. However, I think if you spoke to someone 16 years old and asked them... Um, about fire on a particular movie or TV show which was CGI'd did it look realistic? I think to them it does, just because that's how they're conditioned. Um, I think what's interesting about this one, and I totally agree, I watched this movie three nights ago and sitting down to watch it, like my memory was a wash of amazing practical effects from start to finish in fact, if anything, that's what this movie can lean on, even if some of the story bits don't quite add up, or um, some of the characters' behaviours are at times plain fucking stupid um, this movie had bitching practical effects, and they are for the most part but I will totally agree with you there's about three or four scenes which are clearly CGI um, in Blood in particular and the look kind of ropey for a movie which is only coming up on the on the six year mark that's concerning because you know like when you watch the original Evil Dead movies you don't like you don't really have to think of that because the buckets of blood that are used are buckets of liquid so you never have to worry about that CGI value so I'm a hundred percent with you on this one it was distracting to me it was one of the things I was going to raise as a negative if you didn't raise it was actually coming back to it this time round it was one of the first and I've got like a big fancy TV now which makes it even more plain it, like when I watch it I'm like oh no <laughs> that didn't look right it does things like the particular one I was talking about there with the when the arm gets I think it's when it gets shot off when the other arm gets shot off and she turns around mm-hmm. that could have easily still been like a practical effect they totally agree and you know, and then just pumped real blood out, and it would have looked better, it would have sounded better. But we sorry, were we we supposed to be talking about the positives right now? Yeah, this <laughs> happens in every recording. Though. Don't worry, like you start talking about a positive, and then you instantly swing it to a negative. You you are right though. I t- I t- especially when all the other effects have been done that way. 
that practical effect could have been very simple in terms of like what they had at their disposal and mm. what they've used in other parts of the movie. So I don't know why they, they opted for that. Maybe they wanted a, a kind of mix of, of both to, to see what they could do, but it certainly it looks it it, it looks awful, that mm-hmm. dripping blood. But um that that were, um so that that was somehow in a positive as well because <laughs> the practical effects in there are are good. The uh they take it to places, you know, like um chop them off both her arms. Um you know, it's pretty mm. good. They, 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 what they do well is also in that is they, they have a lot of nods of the head, or in fact, more, even more nods of the head, direct references to the original film. Yeah. Uh, being a reboot or being, or uh, is something I'll bring up later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably has already been discussed plenty of times with this movie. But anyway, yeah, so, I mean, chopping off the hands is is a big one, um, straight for the, the, the original. Um, you've got, obviously, the gun. You've got the cabin, which I never noticed the first time around, but this time I was watching it, like, taking notes for this episode I thought that's they've, they have fully replicated the cabin like yeah. 100% like the outside the back of it that like the, it looks exactly the same I thought that is that's well done I like that uh, they've got antlers on the, on the wall like to represent the buck they've um, I think there's another obviously the chainsaw appears at the end and that's what all the, the fans are watching when they're in the, in the in that audience in the cinema when she just picks up the chainsaw that's when they're like yes here we go this is this is good although I was going to say, does she use it well? Aye, she kind of does. Aye, there's a pretty cool, pretty cool visual about yeah. um, that chainsaw. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do do well. Um, what do you think of the cast? I like them. I'm, do, I'm the same. I'm what, the same compared what, to my, other ones. I, I, I actually quite like this cast. One of my questions I have here, like the way that I take my notes, is: Do you believe Mia as a junkie? Though I don't believe. I don't no. believe she's been taking the brown at all. She <laughs> is just like I don't know. She's she's the, she's like the uh, quote unquote American junkie, you know, when they have like five beers and think they're an alcoholic. So that's what she's maybe like. But uh, <laughs> sorry, I know you've got a, a, an, an American uh, listenership, so <laughs> for that case. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Ish. Ish. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, there is a way that like. Um... Like junkies are portrayed in in Hollywood movies, which makes me kind of cringe a little bit. It's yeah. this way where they, the, yeah, you know, like Mia still looks pretty. Like I would tap Mia. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, well, I'd still tap Demon Mia as well. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she looks, she looks more like a junkie when she's possessed than she does when she's not. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I'd, I'm. Yeah, I suppose it comes back to that, you know, that, that's one of those things where I imagine his hands are tied on that one. They're like, yeah, but we need a, we need, a re- yeah, we need someone that looks good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I imagine like Ferry Alvarez is like in a position where he's like, all right, well, well I can't have to do this. But I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I think even though some of these characters fall into the kind of archetype templates of like how Hollywood handles a group of teenage friends, um, I think that's done really, really, really well, and not out with the the kind of bookworm guy who to ultimately sets off the curse, which we'll get. To, um, I've, got a, I've got a lot of issues with that guy. Yeah. Man. <laughs> out with him, most of them don't feel like like paint by number stereotypes, which I actually quite enjoy, and I think some of their interactions as well, and the way that the they are trying to I, I like the the conceit of the movie this idea of coming to a cabin to you know like wait this out and this is this is what they're going to do they're going to band together as a group of friends who are kind of estranged and they're going to band together in this abandoned place 
and you know this is their reason for not leaving you know they're not going to leave and they're not going to like they and they forgo quite a lot of examples of things which i would call fuckery <laughs> demonic fuckery so to speak they they forgo a lot of that to keep her there to make to make her better i i kind of fall in with that and think that's actually quite a clever idea um so yeah for the most part i think the casting's really 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 good in this movie and i think of other examples of when you try and remake or reboot uh, franchise from the 80s and modern times. I, I can't think of many of them that have uh, a cast for the most part I really like. You know, I, I, I tend to feel quite sad when most of, most of them have bad things happen to them. So, you know, I, I kind of I side with that. So I, I think that's really done well. I was going to say one thing we you, you never touched on in terms of the, the effects, and even though it's a kind of combination of CGI and practical, I actually think it's one of the more harrowing scenes in the movie. And it comes fucking early on, is the is the tree rape in this movie. It makes me uncomfortable in ways that I didn't think it could. I, how does how does that work for you? Is that a, is that a positive or a negative? Uh, well, I've got here. I've got my note here about the tree rape. Um, the tree rape is horrible, but they twisted it slightly. It's almost as if she raped herself. Yes. And I don't even know if that's technically possible. Although I've probably raped myself a few times. <laughs> you know, you know, when you don't really want to masturbate, but you do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. <laughs> like a little bit with a floppy, you know, just uh, you know. <laughs> that might be my favourite thing I've heard. That might be my favourite. Thing I've heard. <laughs> but it's you know, it's it's like the it's like the tree branch like entered her to yeah. possess her, rather than the trees want to fuck her. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Exa- yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not entirely sure if I, if I think that works better or not because in the original, obviously, it wasn't. Ash that got tree raped. It was uh, it was a character who was disposable essentially. Um, she was just having an awful thing happen to her out in the woods to come back and to start everything off. Mm-hmm. Whereas they were just getting possessed. But then in this this movie, they're also just getting possessed. She doesn't need to be entered by the the tree branch thing to be possessed because her pals are getting possessed. Or is she possessed first and then it's almost like a zombie? She, she's possessed where... first, yeah. So <clears throat> this is this is how the. <clears throat> kind of loose understanding of how this works is once the once the demons well once the demon's been conjured and a de- demon exists in the woods the woods enter her and that's what that's what brings it in but once it's in her it can pass from human to human oh, it's a weird right. it's a weird way of doing things because if this was you kind of made, made that interesting kind of point there without maybe necessarily knowing you made it but if this was for example a group of guys um, who'd opened this book and there was no woman there at all does that mean that the, the tree rape scene still happens but just on a gap you know like is, is, yeah. how, do, how does the demon enter that way uh, well I, I can't, without going graphic uh, you know what I mean it's, it throws up that that kind of interesting quandary of you know is, the, is this the same process every time or is this a particularly vicious process just because it's a demon and it can do whatever the fuck it wants so um, yeah. yeah that seemed to be I remember once again watching it in the cinema and this happening and just going holy fuck <laughs> what the because f- like I think as well that this is like people are talking about you know R rated horror movies well R rated horror movies now and talking about R rated movies in general and this kind of push for them since Deadpool did like a shitload of business and people were like maybe adults want to go and see movies at the cinema yes yes we do uh, yeah. maybe they want content that's catered to them yes yes we do um, I remember seeing this in the cinema I'd just be like I can't remember the last time I saw a movie like this on the big screen out with a festival screening 
you know, what is going on, and just the audience in the cinema being like full of, full of normies, you know, that don't go and see horror movies, just being fucking repulsed by this movie from start yeah. to finish. And, like, I'll be honest, there was a moments in here I thought that seasoned hardcore veteran of horror uh, was actually squirming in his seat from what I was seeing. And it, it's so unabashedly graphic. I, I think that's what kind of took my breath away, is, like, there's ways to do this scene in other movies which would you know, use clever edits or whatever, but this movie's like, no, 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 you, we're going to show you. Um, yeah. And you're going to sit through it, and it's going to be uncomfortable and unpleasant, and you're, you'll thank us at the end. Um, and I think it's—I think it really, really works for it. I'd also say you were talking about the the setup of the cabin and stuff, but the fact that you see Ash's cars there as well—I mean, that's the the indication specifically for the after credit sequence where you're like, is this actually a remake? Or is this a continuation? That's what I was going to say. Is this a, is this a sequel? This is suggesting that Ash and his pals were there in the eighties, and this is now the two thousand. This is that's like yeah, it's thirty years since. Yeah, it was so it, weird. so very well could be the same cabin. Yeah, it's so so weird that they they set all that up that way, and then but then it's it's like if you speak to the filmmakers, Evil Dead Two is is not the kind of remake of Evil Dead. It's a continuation, and then you're like, well, why would Ash go to the same cabin twice? <laughs> like, is he the well, is, I was under the impression that Evil Dead 2 the first section of Evil Dead 2 was like a recap of what happened in the first one just shortened down and cut out a couple of characters like he cut out his friends just just him and his girlfriend fast forwarded through her getting becoming a deadite and getting killed and then uh, Bobby Joe and whoever else turning up yeah I think, so I think even, I've heard like about three or four different theories and to be honest it doesn't appear to be set in stone either depending on what day you catch Bruce Campbell or Sam Raimi that story changes a little bit um, yeah. and in the case of this one I once again I, I kind of like the idea of it kind of not being necessarily a remake and kind of having all these nods and then the after credit sequence to me which I mean we can spoil just now is Bruce Campbell but like what the fuck does this mean <laughs> yeah well I mean let's have a note with that I mean he right through at the end and I think that they don't as the cameo from Bruce Campbell at the end credits I don't think it's worth it yeah because it doesn't set up anything except confusion no yeah but what I did like was that uh, over the credits um, over the kind of end song they've got the recording of the doctor who finds the book yeah um, and that is uh, if it's not exactly the recording from the original it is like replicated the original supposed to be um, the guy who originally read it in the original Evil Dead speaking the words of the book and what he's found. Yeah, it's great. Which then follows on that it's a that it's a continuation story. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's great. I I, I love the I love bits I, I really like credits that can like I'm a big fan of credits that either go silent or continue noise effects from a movie onwards or or do something a bit different just so if you're if you're going to sit there and try and wait to see if there's an after credit sequence don't just give me score. You know what I mean? I get so bored by that. Um, I, I want something else to keep my attention, or like a little wink and a nudge to the audience. If you've already been doing that throughout the movie, <clears throat> I would. I would also say, in terms of kind of good points for the movie, what I like about it as well, just overall, is this movie goes at a whip, man. This the, the pacing of this movie is is damn near perfect. There isn't much drag. Like once she's once she is attacked by the tree, from that point onwards, almost on the dot, every five minutes, there's a big scare, or there's a big effect, or there's a big something. 
and that kind of continues right to the end. And I, I think that's a kind of lost art in horror in horror movies nowadays. Um, some movies, yeah, I like the idea of sitting back, resting. You know what I'm like. I'm a, a lot like you in that capacity. That I like a story to breathe, and you know, like set up a mythology and give me characters and give me a bit of dialogue and take its time. And the, people call it slow burn, but I call it good storytelling. But there is also a craft and an art for really well paced, you know, succinct horror. And I think Evil Dead Two does well. Sorry, Evil Dead remake does that really really well whereas some of the earlier ones there's a whole lot of setup, and then it's like let's spend time with Bruce and we'll wait 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 and here's the next big scare in this movie it's like right we have a lot of characters to get rid of here we're going to do them in an inventive ways and we're going to do them paced really well throughout the movie and as a result when it finishes it's almost hard to believe that you've sat through the hour and a half um, or just over an hour and a half that the movie actually is uh, and moves at a, and moves at a pace. Do you feel the same, or is this one? Does it feel? Yeah, a bit no, I, I agree. No, I don't think it feels long at all. Um, I think you're you're completely right. That when you go through, there is there's a couple of, there's a couple of points that doesn't necessarily drag, but there's there's certainly a couple of things that some of the characters do that you think oh, it kind of almost takes you out of the the, the movie, mm-hmm. but it only takes you out of the movie because they're doing daft things. The thing is, is something that I've come to realise after watching a, a bunch of different movies. I can't remember. Um, the one that I'm thinking of particularly that made me think this but it's not a bad thing if characters do daft things yeah it's it's that's just, that's just what humans do and the times of stress when things are going wrong or things are, or they think they know best do you know there's, uh, there's times that people will but you're supposed to be your friends they'll piss you off or they'll think what the fuck are you playing it yeah. especially in really difficult times yeah so when they decide, when they say, "Oh, we're going to stay here," and she'll start acting crazy and all the rest of it because it's the, that's her detox and off off the heroin, um, we can't ever take her away from here. Well, one, you should be. Why don't you just like train spotting her and do her in her bedroom in her house and lock yeah. the door? <laughs> or she can, like, why are you go to a fucking cabin in the middle of absolute nowhere? Two, when she is fucking absolutely ramping up the crazy, and then the lassie goes. Uh, you don't, I, don't worry, I'm giving her the same treatment as she would get in hospital. Uh, no, you're not, hen. <laughs> what the fuck hospital are you going to? <laughs> I would override all those friends because even if she's acting crazy to win because uh, she can't handle the detox, I'd sh- say that when she starts acting like a demon, she is up to it enough to fucking say, right, fine, we'll try this another time, let's go. We're mm. out of here. <laughs> but, no. <laughs> also, yeah, because there's a point where they're sitting in this is I think before even she gets tree raped they're sitting in the in the living room and uh, they pull the rug off to reveal the basement which they should know is there because supposed to be this is their parents cabin like apart their parents just have like an old shed in the woods that they leave all their belongings and their pictures and stuff in and mm-hmm. you know in fact when they t- walked up the first time they goes oh somebody's broken in I said I fucking need one up somebody's broken in you <laughs> in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere every, somebody'll break in every year yeah, let's let's take Mia to a place that she can she can kick her drug habit by taking her to a place that looks like an obvious drug den. Exactly. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that where the fuck are they getting running water and heat and electricity from? Don't and so, you know? So it's like there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of plot holes in that cabin. <laughs> see, the thing is, see when Ash went to the cabin in the eighties when yeah. they fucking they didn't have all that shit in it. I thought that's fair enough. I I don't care. But in this one, in this one. Surely, two thousand thirteen, they had Airbnb. There's no way they're going to that fucking shed. Never really know. You know what I mean? Absolutely not. And don't even get me started that basement because that cabin, as much as it's cool and big, that basement just does not fit. 
Yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a ratio of size here that doesn't make yeah. sense. It kind of sounds like it kind of sounds like you're you're prepared to start to pivot to to negative here, which I, I'm I'm, I'm all down with. I'm all down with if you are. So like, go for it. Just give give me a list of some of the things the movie doesn't do well then. Okay, you pull off that rug in the basement floor and you see that there's blood scratched all around about that basement. You get in the car and you get to fuck. That's it. Deep fuck's over. Right? You all go and get some smack and forget what you did. That's, That's right. Everyone shits up. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then they go, down, they go down the basement, right? So we know they go down the basement and fucking St. Jimmy for the Green Day video, he goes and picks up this book and takes it upstairs. Not to mention they found all these hanging cats dead yep. in the basement, right? And then they come up, they bring up a gun, and they bring up this the book wrapped in fucking leather and barbed wire, and then obviously the book's bound in the skin, we know that. <laughs> Me is 100% correct. It's the only person that makes any sense in this movie at this point, when she says, we should not have touched anything from that basement. And that specky cunt should have never went reading the fucking book. If you need to go through that much effort to get into the book, you're obviously meant to stay out of it. It literally has warnings all through the book telling you not to read it. Like, how stupid do you have to actually be? And also, I can call my specky cunt because I'm on myself. Just so. <laughs> right? They keep they keep showing this. When everything's happening, Mia's starting to properly go off the rails, right? They're still not entirely sure if she's possessed or not yet because, you know, realistically, why would you think she's possessed? You would think she's detoxing. Yeah. However, it, she is, it is getting a bit crazy. He is still sitting in that room properly studying the book like he needs to or like it's his fucking job yeah I'm like just put it down and leave it no, is, you've already said the words out loud that's fucking daft enough as it is just is it professional it curiosity though because isn't he he's a he's a teacher so is it, is it is it on some level this professional curiosity and do you always I was thinking about this I remember it's a completely different thing had the book came bound in human skin um, I'd maybe think different but uh, there is a like Clive Barker did a, a book a couple of years ago called Mr. Be Gone uh, which is all about a demon it's like you're reading a story about a demon and the first the first page is burn this book that's what it says just burn this book don't go any further burn this book and then as you continue reading the story on it keeps coming back to listen burn this book get you know I'm, I'm pleading with you destroy this book don't continue on with it burn it now and of course you keep reading it so had it come bound in human flesh maybe I wouldn't have read it but do you like when you when you've got that professional curiosity like see when you're online and you're clicking through things you know and then you realise that you went from watching some kind of harmless porn video to they're watching jihadis getting their heads cut off yeah you're, you're, you're like, how the fuck did I end up here um, yeah no, I suppose yeah, I suppose yeah I guess I guess when you're watching it as as a as a movie goer, you're what you know that it's obviously you're taking for example that the the, the possession is is real. Yeah. So you know that it's going to happen, and you know that that's the worst thing you can do, and you know reading the words is is going to bring it forth. Even if you haven't seen the original Evil Dead, the way that it's cut and edited, that when it starts to read one word, it jumps and back and forth and showing you like the demon or whatever the spirit rising up and coming after them. So yeah, we know and we know it's daft. So I mean, it's it's easy for us to sit watching it saying. Oh, it's your fault. I think I think you are right though in saying like you're in the middle of this fucking 
you're in the middle of this cabin in the middle of nowhere. You've just brought. It's a bad bit... enough. Yeah. She's, she's detoxing. You know, we don't need demons to come in. Actually, she's got her own. She's fighting her own demons. Yeah. You don't need to actual supernatural ones into the mix. Yeah, like where it's come from and the way it's been and all the rest. I'm kind of with you. This is the sort of thing that maybe we don't do this just now. Maybe we focus on our friend and make sure she's okay. <laughs> and we can take this away and study it later on without opening it and reading it just now. I'm with you yeah. on that, but I, like I, I remember a lot of a lot of people going like that. You know, this is just not realistic. And the more I kind of thought about it, the, the more time has went on. I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe not realistic in that context. But like you said earlier on, I'm right. Humans will do some fucking dumb shit. Like yes. dumb, dumb. Well, what I've not to, well, I've not to go and do parkour over this really dangerous area. No, I'm going to do that. What do you mean you need to try parkour before you do it? Next thing you know, you broke your ankle. Um, you know, humans are stupid. <laughs> just yep. in general there's, there's, so. there's, there's people making like millions of bucks because they put up fail videos on YouTube yeah like, uh, uh, like oh my god up, what the fuck is going on with that they're in abundance it's like there's now a new thing you know you say there's only things to set in life is death and taxis it should now be there's only things to set in life is death, taxis and fucking idiots because <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's what we're living in like I was thinking that the other day that we're never going to get to the, 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 the utopian future you know of like uh, Sandra Bullock and, uh, and Rocky Balboa kicking about you know what's that movie uh, oh Demolition Man Demolition Man yeah we're never going to get that because there's always going to be fucking idiots down in the sewers eating rats <laughs> just, it's just the way the world works it's the way the world works <laughs> oh god Oh, what else have you got in the bad? What else have you got? <laughs> um, bad, bad, bad. I've got the scene here. That's a good. That's a good scene. Uh, the whole thing is all Saint Jimmy's fault, and he deserved to be stabbed. So that's <laughs> not necessarily a bad. That's actually a good. Um, those <laughs> stairs, right? This is just a bad in terms of like the the actual truth of the movie, not like what, from a watching point of view. Those stairs in that basement, man. She runs up the stairs and they break. Now she is like probably half the weight of the guy who's been up and down the stairs twice already. She goes up the stairs and they break. That's mm-hmm. just a bit mm-hmm. shitty, but maybe they've been weakened by them going down. But that whole fucking cabin's a death trap. The whole thing should be demolished. They should have went to a travel lodge. You can do whatever the fuck you want in a travel lodge. You can detox in a travel lodge. You can read demon books if you want in a travel lodge. The, the, honestly, the, those <laughs> sheets are minging in a travel lodge. You can you know burn I mean? a human alive on a stake. Yeah. I know I've been in one as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, let me just power through my notes here and see what I've got here. Uh, so, she says in a, the Deadite voice, which, by the way, in this one isn't that scary it isn't like, it's not as good as a, no the, the dead eight voice in the, in the original I thought was quite terrifying and when she sang the, the wee uh, lullaby and all the rest of it that was mm-hmm. so fast there was creepiness to it this one is just not scary at all and no point is ever scary uh, but when she shouts at her brother why don't you come down here so I can suck a cock pretty boy I'm like would, would you go down would you like <laughs> you've already said humans do stupid things don't they <laughs> <laughs> It depends if it's been a hard year or not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, something that does bad. There's a nice flippant sentence about people with poor mental health being quote-unquote monsters. I actually cut the see. Oh, dude, like, see, uh, like, you've, like, see, since, see, since becoming friends with you, I am critically aware of this in horror movies now. And I think, I want, I want to say that it's, it's your good work in raising this to my attention. And for the most point, I can let a lot of that go in a horror movie because of the setting. It's like that way where, you know, people, like, final girls instantly become, like, badasses after a couple of their friends die. And that's genuinely not how the human condition works. Um, Most people go the other way. Uh, But, like, in horror movies, they always stretch the believability or add these tropes in or add these things in which are, are missed 
misconceptions of of constructs of how attitudes, um, mentality, uh, strength, physics, all the rest, these things all become warped in a horror movie. But I am now very acutely aware of when people start talking about mental health or the actions thereof, or even the treatment in certain movies, where there are certain movies now that I'm like that, yeah, I can totally go with that, right? I know it's rubbish, but I can totally go with it. And then there's a whole swath now, post-meeting Scott, where I'm like that. I don't actually know if that's offensive, but I'm, I kind of, you know, if I was a sufferer of a condition or, you know, worked in that industry, the way you're portraying it right now is, is wholly ignorant. Um, and I get these things that flash up. So when when you're talking about this, I would have been surprised if you didn't mention this on this episode. It was in my it was in my kind of mental notes to ask you about it. What did you think when they talk about this? I think I don't think they go into it enough, and I think they they just they use it as an excuse to say that give give them reasons for um, why his relationship with his sister is the way it is because their mum was mentally uh, unwell and killed herself. That he's terrified that the sister's going to go the same way because yeah. uh, there's it's been genetics however now saying earlier that, that sentence where he says um like i don't i don't want her to go the same way i see my mum die a monster or something like that like she was crazy she was a monster something along those lines however that's not to say, that's actually not to say that a son who has no mental health training and has only seen his mum turn into the the way that the illness made her mm-hmm. wouldn't have views like that, and and you know not want not understand it as such because he left apparently he as soon as he was old enough to leave he just fucked off, so he never he never stayed to be a carer he never stayed to like learn about the illness or learn about her illness or particularly like anything about it. he just he just left and remembered all the bad times and so it's maybe it's actually not that crazy that a, that a person would. Would, would, would say it like that would say that would say, call her a monster if you if you no. were a kid and that was your experience i mean there's the, for for a huge part of of kind of human history certain mental illnesses were were seen as being things like possession or witchcraft or you know like on these extreme levels until obviously science kicks in or understanding of things gets better um yeah, I don't know. It's one of those ones where I heard it and I was like, uh, "Did we have to use the word monster?" Yeah. You know, yeah. like kind of cringed a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think maybe I think maybe you're, maybe they're they're not being as egregious about it yeah. uh, by by saying it that way because you are right. He does leave as soon as he is old enough to leave. He leaves and he never looks back. And if all you've ever experienced is this quote unquote monstrous side of your parent because of the the struggles I've had. Maybe it's not that bad. It's it's one of those lines that gets thrown in though where I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I think I think taking taking like kinda without potentially like exploring that character and the reasons why he would say that, I think just taking it straight as the sentence said out to millions of people and audiences all over the world, I think it there's there's there is slight potential harm there. I don't want to start going off fucking snowflake and PC and all the rest of the bullshit <laughs> that the world is all about now, but I mean, there is potential harm for continuing stigmas, which never should be the case. But yeah. um, exploring the character, it's it's possible that, that he could have those feelings and and be uh, un- uneducated on the right way to have dealt with his mum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go into something else that I, I don't like. Uh, so we're right. Fucking St. Jimmy's the right shit time of it, hasn't he? He's been <laughs> fucking stabbed with needles and stabbed with knives. Uh, he still deserves it. But that's not how nail guns work. 
Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this happens in many films. That's not how nail guns work at all. That. I wasn't expecting oh, yeah. that. <laughs> let me let me educate any listeners who don't know who nail guns work. My dad's a joiner. He had one of these things. You cannot fire it like a gun. It's got a pressure point that needs to be pushed back, so you need to have the, the gun up against the wood that you're nailing it into, and that's the only way it'll fire. So you need to kind of almost like hold back the top, like a wee uh, nail gun foreskin, and pull it back, <laughs> and then your your bullets will come firing out and do the damage. <laughs> Sounds like the best name for an Austrian death metal band, Nail Gun Foreskin. <laughs> oh my god, I, I want to hear their new album so bad. Yeah, I, I, like it's, it's specifically designed like that to stop this from happening, to stop any Tom Dick or Harry <laughs> lifting it and using it Absolutely. as a fucking gun. Yes. <laughs> right. Next thing that I, I've got, I've got issue with. Oh. He, they, they decided there's there's only ways the ways to stop her being possessed is to kill her. By either burying her alive or set her on fire. I think there was a third one. I can't remember what it was. But he, so he goes decides to bury her alive. Um, now I can't exactly remember where he figures out or he makes up this plan in his head that he can bury her alive and then bring her back to life because <laughs> apparently she was already she already died before and was defibrillated by the, the thing. So he says, "Oh well, if it's done it once before, we can do it again." Now before <laughs> before he starts, right? I've got a question. Why why does he dress her up in a nice dress? I, you know, she's going to be buried alive. <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely she don't know. It's dress. weird. Like she looks really good in that dress, but like, what? There is no. There's, I don't understand the need. I don't know. Understand why you would take the time to put the dress on her. I've no idea. Like it's one of those ones where I've actually never even thought of that detail before. Yeah, <laughs> well, I've just watched it, and it was just when it done the, the kind of the kind of cut, like like kind of on the on the body and on the arms. And I just thought, why? Why though? But anyway. So he buries her alive. She's jumping back and forth with being trying to pretend like she's real Mia and deadite Mia, like screaming at him and then being innocent or the rest of it. It's like but being buried alive would be awful. So, mm-hmm. but it's such a daft concept to bring her back, and I don't buy it. And that's aside from the daft homemade defibrillator thing. That oh he made. yeah, I remember that. Back. Even seeing that in the cinema and going, "That fuck off." <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but he brings her back to life. Or does he even know if he thinks she's dead? I no. She, yeah. She, the battery runs out. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come back to life. He pulls the needles out her chest and gets up to walk away. And then she gets up. Again, not how being defibrillated works, but... <laughs> we'll, we'll, take, we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, he gets back in the house, and this is when uh, St. Jimmy, he's been... I've got no earlier on it says, he, you got to think he's possessed because he's been through a fucking shit ton. And it turns out that he is possessed because he's now a, he's now a, a zombie. He actually looks really good as a zombie demon deadite. Some, some of the deadite effects, I, I, I quite like Mia as a deadite. I think he's I think St. Jimmy's fucking amazing as a deadite. Yeah, yeah he's really good as one. But he stabs her brother in the neck and I fucking shot myself. Mm-hmm. I forgot it happened and I got a fright. I was like, whoa, because he's running about you know that kind of me as your kind of main character, but he's like the kind of he's like the male lead, and he's getting a lot of the the action while like trying to fix all the problems, and then boom, he's stabbed in the this neck. This is like, the genius what? of the movie is like yeah. the movie sets up. You think while watching this movie, and I do it every time as well that I watch it. You think that the brother is going to be the Ash character, 
You think... Oh yeah, I, I, he was kind of wearing an almost ash outfit as well because yep. he had the kind of blue denim shirt on. I thought, right, there's, there's another nod to the head, and mm-hmm. uh, so you kind of think it's going to be him, and yeah. they flip it right at the end. I love that. I, 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 a lot of people get sniffy nowadays about the use of that flip technique of transferring kind of male lead characters to female lead characters in modern horror movies. I, I'm not against that. If you're doing it purely for you know for to fit in with the movements that are going around just now, then I'm sceptical of it. But if you're doing it genuinely as a plot device like they do here, I think it's fucking great. Because it does, like, anyone that went into the cinema did not expect this. Yeah. it's. It, I think it's done really well in this movie. I think it was done really terribly in the Cabin Fever remake when they changed the cop Agreed. from a guy to a girl. There was just no point in that. I, I, I actually um, had a lot of support for the idea of remaking Cabin Fever exactly the same when I found out Eli Roth was given his script, original script to his friend who was a filmmaker and I thought this is going to be the, a real interesting time to see what difference a director can make to a mm-hmm. script like what actually influence they do actually have like how much it's their movie and then and then he just made whatever fucking shite that was but anyway back to back to this one uh, so yeah so that's that's now the, the demon or the whatever it is had five souls because he's had the four people, the two girls, the two guys, mm-hmm. and the we're assuming the girl at the very start who gets set on fire at the very start. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's five souls, and then that's when it can start raining blood. Now, I didn't like the raining blood the first time I watched this. I thought it was daft. But this time watching and like kind of critically watching it, I was totally in for it. I thought it was brilliant. But I've got a question. Go for it. What's the, what's the science of it? Like, how far reaching are the blood clouds, or is it only over the cabin... Uh, so it's only really effective and quite convenient if she's outside because, you know, she, imagine she was still inside the cabin, it was raining blood, you blah. Aye, very good. But <laughs> That's a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just wondering, like, if it's a stretch everywhere, is it, like, out in, like, Nebraska as well, just raining blood everywhere? <laughs> like, like, fuck's going on, man? We're going to Thomas with the weather. Hi there. It's uh, <laughs> accumulations of what appears to be a lacerated sky just now over Texas. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't... It's one of those... Like, I, I think the effects bitching. Like, whenever I see it, I think... I think Slayer for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, dun, dun, dun. I'm like, oh, yes, let's do it. Um... I think it's I think it's brilliant, and I love the fact that this is one of these ones where like we're going to put it outside in it, and we're just going to make it practical as well because if they tried to CGI this, it would have been fucking awful. Um, yeah. And they give us it, yeah, uh, yeah. It's one of these with all things in Evil Dead, you never really you never really know whether or not this is contained and just around the cabin in these woods, or is this you know what happens here? Is this going to affect the world? And they never ever like move further out from the cabin to give you yeah. like a, a, a kind of real world view of what's actually going to happen if they were to succeed or anything that would move out with it. It's one of the reasons that the TV show albeit heavily comedic, the TV show's kind of cool because the TV show's the, the ability to say, right we're moving it out now and we're going to show you on the road so to speak. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know, I don't know, it's, it's, yeah what, what are the physics of it? Who knows? Is it cool? I love it. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's great because it just adds. It just adds an extra level of this is so fucking over the top by the end of this movie. Yeah. Can I? Uh, can I uh, interject a wee point about the TV show? Do it. I haven't actually seen it, but what I want to say is I am in a couple of Facebook groups um, for Evil Dead, the Bruce Campbell fans and Evil Dead joiners group or some shit like that. And 
during when Ash vs the Evil Dead was on when and at the same time as when season seven of The Walking Dead was starting, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. There, there was a lot of complaints because of how gory uh, The Walking Dead was. It was the opening scene with Negan. If uh, no spoilers, but I'm oh, yeah. everybody knows what happens. Mm-hmm. That end of season six, start of season seven. I'd say maybe it's because I'm a big fan. I don't know. That suspense and that build-up nearly killed me. Like I literally had my heart beating out my chest, and it was a brutal, brutal death that those characters got. Mm-hmm. And everybody in these groups are like saying, "Oh, pussy's watching The Walking Dead." When look how much blood we've got in Evil Dead, and I'm thinking, "You, do you realise the difference? Yeah. Do you realise the difference? Like, do you realise the comedic effect and how over the top the Evil Dead is compared to one human brutally breaking open the skull of another human yeah. being?" It's, it's all about intent, and I think that's. Yeah. I, th- I think some people don't understand that. It's what I've said before. Like, see, when someone will say to me, um, "You know, fuck, fuck this movie that you really like, Duncan. It's slow and it's psychological and it's not scary and blah 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 blah." Um, and then at the same, in the same sentence, we'll mention this movie, which is full of gore effects, but terrible acting, terrible script, and all the rest. And they lean back on, "Well, it's the gore. The gore's amazing, and all the rest. Gore is a technique." used in a movie it's a it's an effect used in a movie to benefit a movie right but if all the other components aren't handled well then it's a technique and that's all you know what i mean you're the brutality in something like those episodes with the walking dead is the fact that you've spent so long with characters um it's it's it it comes at a turn when you think maybe there's going to be redemption because i've used that technique before and there and the, the, the actual harrowing build-up of it. So all those things add to it. Even if you didn't see a swing of you know of, of a, a baseball bat in that show and the camera panned away, it would still have an impact. And the reason it has an impact for all the groundwork it's done. And the Evil Dead TV show, it's slapstick. And it's mm-hmm. deliberately done that way. So the gore shouldn't make you wretch or shouldn't make you appalled or shouldn't make you sad or or live with you days later. That's not what it's there for. It's there yeah. as a kind of cause and effect to make you laugh. It's the it's the payoff to the joke. So it's completely different. It's used in a completely different context. So I'm Absolutely. 100% with you. Anyone that said that's a fucking idiot. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, it takes right back to idiots on the internet. There's yeah. lots of... <laughs> Uh, One of a couple of last things to talk about in this movie is because we're at the end of the scene and this is when she picks up the chainsaw, the payoff. And uh, Now, I didn't fully understand the whole part that the demon that comes after her, but it's the demon that seen in the woods, isn't it? It's like a demon of herself. It's like yeah. a replica of her body um, that comes out and she hides under the thing. She chops the legs off fucking pretty decently awesome and then uh, she rips her own hand off. Could you rip your own hand off? Could you pull your own hand off? I, I have heard... <laughs> I have heard of... I've not heard of it being like this, but I have heard of occasions where like humans have been trapped and been able to well, affect I'll, their body I'll, in certain ways. I don't think that's how your hand works, though. I don't think that's how that works physically. Yeah, the the the, the kind of jelly skin that was like when it was pulling, it was like gooey, like kind of and stretching like that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't think that's how that works. But I have oh, heard of occasions yeah. where like if you've like severed a part of your leg, you can, you know, with a bit of force break bones or disconnect things to, to you know to get things out but not as easy as this it's not a case of two feet on the car and you pull and your arm will come off she um, at the end of her arm looked like I was I deboned a chicken the other day there and I snapped one of the legs in half and it was three jaggy bit was pointing out and that's what her arm looked like yeah. and I, one thing I don't know about getting an amputation you need to do it in a way such that you've got a big skin flap so that you can fold it over and get of any set suture she's, she's got to be fucked man she's got to look like a right fucking <laughs> 
I get the Annie arm there, man. I don't know what else she's would you, would you still, though? Would you still tap her? I'd be wondering what kind of funky freaking shit she can do. Are you still... <laughs> good answer, good answer. Uh, now, so she, she comes out and uh, she manages to set the chainsaw off again. I don't know, is it still running? It must it still be running. Yeah. And um, with uh, one and a half arms, she manages to chop Evil Mia right in half. And that's actually a great scene. And there's a whole big visual where it... Like it, just like a wide shot of her like pushing the chainsaw into the uh, the demon's head when the rains the blood rains falling down the cabin's behind her like that that's not a poster that should be it probably is but that scene is fantastic yeah is the is the uber payoff to the to the whole movie is that scene where it's like you've seen a lot of blood you've seen a lot of effects we've given you rain and blood now we're going to give you rain and blood a, a chainsaw going down through a human being and the blood splatter back on her. Is yeah. fucking rad, man. It's like it's one of those moments where if ever there was a like guitar solo scene, that's the scene right there. It's, it's, it's I remember like almost wanted to stand up and applaud um, when I saw it for the first time. I was just like, this is everything, you know, teenage Duncan the horror fan wanted in a horror movie, and I've had to wait this long to see it back on the big screen. Um, yeah, it's, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate in um, in satisfaction. Uh, to, to the end of a film. In terms of, uh, if we swing it to the third question, then um, as a general observation, this being the fourth and final instalment, and kind of looking at it as a potential sequel, maybe, or or as the remake, um, as the Evil Dead canon as a whole, does this movie break any cardinal sins? Does this do anything which feels in in some way not in keeping with? Evil Dead franchise as a whole. Well, my kind of final, my, my final summation here at the end of my notes, basically, it's actually more negative than, than I've actually been talking about. To be honest with you, it says it's not a patch on the original. I don't think it, it doesn't have the same heart or spirit. I don't think mm-hmm. because the original was like a budget. I don't know if they had any money, but they went out in the woods and they'd done it all themselves, you know. And it was that was that that was the, the whole heart and spirit of it. And I think that's. One reason I don't know if I've officially heard this or if I'm just making up, but when they got a bit of money after the success of the first one, they wanted to redo parts of the story better with a bigger budget, and that's why the second one's kind of like a join together of the first one again. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for a, for a remake, well, we're not calling it a remake. I I agree with the fact that it's a continuation of the story, but for like a reboot. It's it, it is really good. I mean, my note here because when I called it a remake, they can't all be Savini's Night of the Living Dead, can they? Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if at any point they had plans of any more outings after taking Mia's hand off, like Ashes and like this is when I was, again talk, calling it a remake. Where they got to make her the new Ash? Are they going to? I mean, would you watch a movie where she gets sucked into like um, medieval England and fights the Deadites? Yeah, this is the thing that always confused me, and this is this is unfortunately the thing that will always be the situation with Evil Dead, is that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell loom so large over that franchise that I remember when this movie was being touted, they were already like whenever you, it's under it unfortunately undermines any work that Ferry Alvarez did here, and that I love the idea of you know the. I love the idea of the small wink wink nudge nudge because I, I imagine a lot of new horror fans sitting there Bruce Campbell's face appears at the end saying groovy they don't have a fucking clue who he is so that's a huh? it's like me at the end of any of those Marvel Universe movies where fucking Samuel L. Jackson 
introduces another character that I don't know and I'm like that am I supposed to know who and everyone's like shitting themselves around me I can't believe they've introduced Benicio Del Toro and I'm like who the fuck is this guy am I supposed to know this I I imagine it's that similar impact and what I would say is as soon as Fede Alvarez apparently and you've got to take this with a pinch of salt had said that he had he had another movie planned for this one in the same breath as this Sam Raimi was talking about doing a standalone movie with Bruce Campbell and then maybe linking them in on the third movie together. So basically there would be an Evil Dead 2, which would be kind of similar to Evil Dead 2 uh, as a remake. Meanwhile, he would be bringing Ash back in somehow through another movie and joining them in. As soon as you do that, you instantly you instantly lose me because I'm like that. Now it's confused. I want one I want one franchise to follow here. I don't want spin-offs. Not I want one to follow here. I don't want, because knowing the tone of the Bruce Campbell Evil Dead movies compared to the tone of this movie, they don't marry up. So how how they do that always confused me. And as soon as that started getting mentioned, fans' attention started jumping, as you would expect, to the Bruce Campbell side of things. And as a result, the steam was taken away. Um, from the sales of the, of this movie, all, all the all the wind just sucked right out of it, and you never got your Evil Dead too. Interesting. Is that why we the TV show? Would that come after? Yes. So yeah. So basically, it, all all movies became dead in the water at that point, and you know the money wasn't there. And then somehow they managed to scramble the TV show, which Bruce Campbell's obviously run out to its natural conclusion. He's now finished with the character, so he says. Um, and as a result of that, now conversations are now kind of spinning back round with Eddie Alvarez after he made that girl with the dragon tattoo, the girl with the spider's web, whatever it was. He said, "Right, I've got two projects that I really want to do: is either Don't Breathe Two or Evil Dead Two." And he's an MC's doing Don't Breathe Two. I imagine if that movie does does well, we might get an Evil Dead Two. But at this stage, do we need it? I, d- I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like I've. I think this is a really good remake, which brings us on to our final, our final, our, our final points here. I think this is a really good remake. It has some flaws for sure, but it's not as egregious in its flaws as some other remakes that are out there. I think this one actually handles it for the most part. The the kind of obvious flaws that we've mentioned with nail guns and all the rest, you can throw that accusation pretty much at any horror movie. Yeah. Um, they all kind of it falls into a lot of preset tropes um, that are out there, but. In terms of the overall canon, I think this is... Like, a lot of people don't like Army of Darkness. I happen to really like Army of Darkness because I like the comedy. I like the way it goes with the comedy. Yeah, it's a full-on full comedy, isn't it? It's not a, it's it's not not a horror, horror movie. Yeah, it's, it's not a horror movie at all. The originals. So I, I love where they take that. A lot of fans don't love where they take that. If anyone's listened to the Andy Blockley review that came before this, you'll see how it, it can fuck off some fans quite a bit. So... This, in some respects, is giving those fans the conclusion that they always wanted, the Evil Dead movie that takes it back to a more serious tone and um, more more graphic gore and stuff. This is the movie that kind of pivots back to that. I mean, if I asked you, if they said tomorrow they were going to do an Evil Dead 2, would you be as excited about it as you were when you heard that they were doing an Evil Dead remake? Um, I th- do you know? To be perfectly honest, I think I would because mm-hmm. I, I just, I just love getting content put towards me. Yeah. I can, if I don't like it, I can leave it. I mean, it does not ruin it for me. Like the the 
this the Mia version has not ruined or spoiled the Ash version whatsoever. I can I can separate them and uh, keep them fully separate and, and look at them as two separate entities. It does not bother me. So if we get another Mia, whether it's you know taken straight up after like the events of the one we've just seen, whether they try and replicate Army of Darkness and Sukkur into like medieval England, but don't have any Ash there, just have like maybe nods of the head that Ash has been there or that he's maybe even he's never existed or if they go fucking totally bonkers and like suck into the future and she's fighting like dead like you know futuristic folk mm-hmm. with lasers you know fuck it <laughs> that's really good <laughs> that's got to be that's because that's got to be there's your comedy factor do yeah. like a mix of like something like Turbo Kid but like with, with Mia and Deadites you've just sold me hard on that <laughs> you just sold me you mentioned Turbo Kid and Evil Dead and I'm a happy happy camper right now <laughs> just sit down, sit down we'll, get a, we'll get a table together and we'll bastard a script and we all have the rights to it I like, I like where we're going with this Scott right. let's, let's make this fucking happen if, yes. if there was one scene good or bad about this movie that you could tell someone who had never seen this movie before as a reason to watch it or not watch I get the feeling we're wanting people to watch the movie so can you think of one scene in this movie that you would use as a selling point what would it be and why I would say you uh, I was trying to think something funny no I can't think of anything funny uh, I'd say look this is a horror movie that's got three hot birds in it and you never see any tits <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I still rate it very highly so it must it must do something well <laughs> Right, last question. The, the last question here is, um, you obviously know we do Netflix grades over here, which is great because we can take a lot of the sensible analysis off our reviews and we get to we get to review on the feels. Um, one is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is, um, no, one is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, and five is loved it. On them feels, Scott, what would you give Evil Dead 2013? Okay, if the original, but I say the original, I think I mean Evil Dead Two because that's the one I always go back to because yeah. that is the that's the better one. So, if if Evil Dead Two is a four point five out of five, then this one's a, a four out of five for me. Nice. I'm I'm going I'm going a bit higher than you. It's a it's interesting. When I first reviewed the movie many moons ago, it was a five. I, I loved it. I loved the experience of the cinema. I've watched it a couple of times now. It's it's not soured, but it has come down a little bit. Um, to me very similar to you if Evil Dead 2 is a 5 for me it's like that to me is like almost yep. damn near a perfect horror movie Evil Dead the remake gets a 4.5 I, th- I think yep. it's I think it's really solid it has some things which really are head scratchers for me um, and there when I watch it now and I'm like why did you do that specifically the CGI you spent all this yep. money having a guy out there doing practical effects why you know you've literally made the blood you know the sky rain blood in this movie why are we using some digital effects inside the house? And that digital fire at the beginning is one of those moments where it almost makes me want to switch it off. I fucking yeah. hate digital fire. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a great fucking movie. It's one of those ones which is this is a Saturday night movie, if ever there was one. You get a fucking bowl of popcorn, you get a couple of beers, um, and you sit down and you shove this movie on and you just have a fucking ball. It's yeah. it's fun from start to finish. Yeah. It, it does it does enough to be its own movie. Even though it's taken, it's, there's, it's taken a lot from from the original ideas. It's for people who have no uh, knowledge of Evil Dead. It does enough. Agreed. And, and for and for people who are fans of Evil Dead, it's 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 does enough to please them. Yeah, 
I, I so. totally, totally 100% agree with that. Now, you have a podcast that I love. I can't stress my love for it. I mention it a lot because I love it a lot. Um, it's it's phenomenal. Tell the people out there where they can check out Scott and Liam vs. Evil. You can check out Scott and Liam vs. Evil on... Um, where are we? iTunes, I think. Yeah, is that what we get? Uh, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on SoundCloud. Uh, we are on... We've got a website, scottandliamvsevil.com. You can find us on our Facebook group, so join that because it's good fun. A lot of this non- usual nonsense that I've just been spouting here for the last 45 minutes or so away, Duncan. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, for, ah, for, just search it. Just sit, Google it, Scott and Liam vs. Evil. You will find us. You'll enjoy Hopefully you enjoy it. If you like what I've been talking about here, it's kind of the same. Yeah, if you, do, if you don't like it, then don't listen. Don't, don't, don't bother, I. Don't wait for Right, Scott, thanks very much for joining me and closing no out this Thank Russian roulette. It's been awesome, always great talking to you, and I dare say um, you'll be back. I, I get a feeling that we, we will probably end up doing some sort of weird content for Glasgow Fright Fest, which is, what, like two weeks away or something now? Yeah. Ooh, need to get myself in physical condition to sit through those movies. Could be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for getting up super early, and um, yeah, I'm going to jump out just now, and when I come back, I'm closing out the show, ladies and gents, right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 170, the second and concluding part of our Russian Roulette franchise retrospective looking at the Evil Dead franchise. Thank you very much to my guests on this episode, Andy Blockley and Scott from Scott and Liam vs. Evil, and thanks to my other guests for the previous part, The Witch and Ryan Lewis, for making this a ton of fun. I've had so much fun revisiting these movies, as if I need an excuse to go back and check out the Evil Dead movies. It's always great to revisit them and then chat with friends about it. The Russian Roulette franchise retrospective will return turn, dear listeners, uh, probably very late April, early May, and we're going to pick off a bigger franchise this time. I'm unsure whether or not I'm going to put it out to a public vote, or if I'm just going to be bold and pick one myself, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. Like I say, maybe about two months' time, we'll be dropping our next one. A ton of guests will be joining me, because I'm going to go for a longer one regardless, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to digging back into what is sure to be another shambles of a franchise um, with friends. That's the the main thing. It's all about connecting with friends, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that very much. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed, and also leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. You can also check out the show on Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, the TuneIn app, and motherfucking Spotify. That's right, we're over on that Spotify you can come and visit our website, it's tputzcast.com and if you want to throw us some shekels and get yourself some cool merch, you can buy posters and enamel pins for podcasts under the stairs by going to our merch page, it's tputzcast.bigcartel.com All that money comes back and supports what we do, keeps the lights on, keeps the mics turned on um, and it really does help us uh, pay the bills, uh, so to speak. Um, also, also, ladies and gents, we're on Facebook. We're in two places on Facebook. If you want to become part of the community of listeners, um, 
and they're a phenomenal community who chat about movies and and the show and things they're looking forward to and post weird and wonderful random memes. Uh, you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. If all you want to know is when the shows are dropping, occasionally check out a live stream or a Thursday Thursday, then you can do that by going to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash cast. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at teapotcast. Right, the podcast under the stairs will return tomorrow and we are looking back over the month that was February 2019. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off.